Yes. Hey everyone, it's Travis. And I'm Ryan. And this is The Wheat in the Chaff. We appreciate you listening and hanging out with us for a bit. And uh, we, we bring you a slightly special episode because we're recording a few days earlier since uh, spring break and vacation, or in February break and vacations break, and yeah. various things are coming up and we decided we'd get a, one more in before we, before we have to take a couple weeks off for that. So, um, be a little, probably a little shorter today, but we figured, we, first we have a clip of the day. Which um, which is just a good segment we're going to roll out here every now and then. A clip of the day of, of just fun stuff. Um, and then, of course, we'll, we'll talk some good conversation things. So uh, I, had, I had, let me say, let me preface it with this. We were talking about the idea of doing due diligence, how we read scripture. Our clip of the day is going to touch on this and why this is important. Yeah, so this is uh, from our, probably our favorite account on Twitter. Absolutely. The IFB Preacher Clips. See, it's the only one I check more religiously than, like, my prayer journal. Yes, and I check this my, quite my, often. My, my devotional. Your devotional. My devotional, Your as devotional. it were. devotional. Like, before before I write my devotional for the day, I check have to check, I, uh, I have IFB, to check preacher. IFB Preacher. To make sure that you're, you know, on the right track. Absolutely. To make sure you're using the right version of Scripture. <laughs> the only, the only, only version, version you should be scripture. using, which is the King James. The original English, is the original might call English. And so, before I play this clip, I was telling Travis this last week. I actually won a little Twitter contest from IFP preachers. It was just mainly for bragging rights and. They said they put a, this little quote from one of these guys that was just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And he, this guy called those outside of their kind of circle um, a bunch of window lickers. And they said, <laughs> whoever responds to this with the best gift or gift. Gift, yep. yep. Well, or GIF to or some GIF, of you. Whatever. We, however, we, we don't judge. We're all inclusive. With That's right. We don't judge. GIF or GIF will accept you as you are. It's and it is GIF. And so. Um, I put on a guy that looked absolutely ridiculous licking a window because I just typed in window licker and that was the first one that came up and I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> and so I won first place and I got a shout out and I was pretty there happy about that. So this guy is a numerologist. And Let's it, define what that means according we, we, to IFB yeah. preacher terms because a numerologist is actually a credible occupation. Like if you're a person who for some reason studies numbers or or code breaking or something like that like you could have a you could be in the military you could be in you could get a engineering job. i mean there's a lot of different things that, you, you could know, get a job numbers seeing codes and patterns you could get a job at the houston astros so, <laughs> <laughs> and, and bring down all of major league where's, baseball where's my garbage can so that way i can bane out uh bane out some <laughs> bane out some numbers um I, you know what i love is i love the fact that the houston astros like like alex Corp, bless his heart yeah. I was I've been an Alex Cora fan for a long time. I have too. I've, I mean, I loved yeah. when he was with the Red Sox. I, yep. I love Alex Cora. Yep. Really was excited when he took over as manager of the Red Sox. Did not realize that his great scheme for trying to win is to basically improvise Morse code with a garbage can and a bat. But but you know, like it wasn't you know how he gets he got blamed for all this, right? Yeah. And come to find out, there was a I think it was a Washington Post story or Wall Street Journal. I can't remember which one it was. Um, I think it was Washington Post. Um, said that there was an intern in 2016 with the Astros that came up with this whole scheme. Really? And so they they blamed the intern players. Interesting. Well, they, the Houston Astros blame Major League Baseball blamed players and coaches, so they get fired. But now it's come out that this intern presented it to the front office, and the front office went with went with it. 
So dark, now, dark day in baseball right Wow, now. it's bad. We may have lost some listeners at this point, but that's okay. We digress. We'll bring it back. Numerology can have some place in real life. It can apparently win you a pennant if you know how to do it well. Um, but, but biblical numerology is a little bit of, let's say, a, an amateur field of, of hobby that some people might devote a little too much time to and we've talked i believe before about bible codes yes and, we and very mentioned things. the bible, yeah, we code. The bible if you code. remember the bible code you know what we're so, talking about so you know and all i would say is this is that at least for people who buy into that kind of biblical numerology and bible codes and stuff at least they tend to use a formula some type of of system yes that 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 guides them to where they want to go now granted half the time it's wrong right because I mean, how many times is the world supposed to end on a certain date because the Bible code told us so? I mean, it's been so many times now. Like, that one guy actually gave up trying to predict it after he was wrong like three or four times in a row. Yeah. There's a lot of. Maybe he died. I can't remember. Yeah. You may have heard, maybe you've been in a church where they talk about Daniel and Daniel's prophecies and the numbers, and they try to add up the numbers to say, like, well, if these numbers, if this is what it means, then the day the world will end, Jesus will return at this time. Right. And forgetting that whole scripture where Jesus said, it's not for you to know, it is for the Father. Right. And that's it. So so there's this point where it's like, at least there's usually a framework or a guideline. Then there's this gentleman who just kind of takes a number and it, runs with it. It takes it to a whole new level. And he, he considers himself to be quite good at this. That's, that's what you get listening yeah. to the clip, is that this is obviously... They're they're not surprised when he starts talking. So that means that he's done it before. He's done it regularly, and he might actually base a good part of his preaching on a regular basis on whatever new number code system that he's discovered or or had a revelation through. So now, listeners, just so you know, so you're not freaking out that maybe this guy is is going to be preaching to the masses. Based on the building he is in, we're <laughs> guessing it's a double wide, double wide. So can't be that many people. Double wide, here. and here's the thing: that is at best like an eight foot ceiling for which yeah. they have for which they have built a two foot stage. There's not a lot, and of then he also there. has a platform, and it looks like he only has about like maybe at the most a foot, probably around eight inches of clearance between yeah, his head much. and the ceiling. It's not so, much. So you know. There's not a lot of people who take this probably overly seriously. This this probably, again, harkens back to that, like we talked about last week, I think it was. You know, those guys who start churches, like, in their garage, but not in the good way, mm-hmm. right? Like, you always hear about the big churches, like a Willow Creek or something, where it was like, it was just us and, like, 15 kids. You know, we were in a youth group at the time, and we were, like, meeting in the basement of, the, you know, the local civic center, just praying to Jesus, and, and, and good things happen. That's good stuff. This this is not so much. I'm a I'm I'm a complete I'm completely bonkers. Yes. And every church that I've been to has kicked me out or asked me to move on. And so I finally shacked up here at the Motel Six's uh, you know, buffet lounge. And now now I'm preaching the Bible code. So here's a clip. Just listen to it, enjoy, and then we'll discuss after yes. it's over. John right now. Chapter thirteen. Boy, you better watch your thirteen. Uh, I was looking at some fellows on uh, on Twitter the other day, and uh, they were making fun of those who emphasize uh, Bible numerology. I wonder and why. And they were mocking Dr. Ruckman and saying, you know, how crazy it was uh, to place emphasis on numbers and so forth. Uh, I'm here to tell you, you can laugh and you can mock and you can do whatever you want to do. And that we will. doesn't yeah, change we the fact that there's something. 
something weird, there's something strange, and there's something unusual about certain numbers in the Bible. And you can't get away from it with the number 13 if your life depended on it. Take your Bibles for a second and come over to the book of Genesis. Come to Genesis chapter 13. In Genesis chapter 13, I want you to come to verse 13. Of course. Genesis 13, 13. Genesis 13, 13. Struggles to find yeah, it. This is going to be one of these yeah. politically incorrect verses. In Genesis 13, 13, look with me if you will. It says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Thirteen words. Thirteen words. <laughs> thirteen words in Genesis thirteen thirteen. Now that may not be true in the so-called original Hebrew, but that's why we say the original English is superior to the original Hebrew. Amen. And so, <laughs> listen. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If you're pastor at any point on a Sunday or whenever they're doing anything official, says anything like. This is why we believe that the original English is superior to the original Hebrew. You get up and leave. You just get up and you walk yourself right on out. Don't wait till it's over. Just get up and leave right I don't then. care. I don't care if it takes you 13 steps to do it. I don't care if you have to go through 13 doors. I don't care if your building is 13 buildings away from the nearest other. I don't care how many times the number 13 might show up. You, you get yourself right on leave. out of there. Mm. So, there's, let's, let's just kind of break down some issues here. First of all, in the original original <laughs> scriptures, which would be written in original Hebrew, because that was the language of the people of God, um, there were no verses or chapters. No. And probably in, if you look at Do a, you think it would terrify him if we told him that original Hebrew, quote unquote, is read from right to left? Do you think he'd be like, oh my God, it's read backwards. I think it would. Like a Satan. Like like yeah. one of those Satan tracks that they want to yeah. play on the Led Zeppelin. Yes. It probably would terrify him. And I'll bet you it's I'll bet you it's a fact he doesn't know. Yeah. I put not. money down that he doesn't know that you read you read Hebrew right to left instead of left to right like English. That probably blows his mind and he probably know that. he'd probably call us demons. So I'm gonna have to look at this because I do have a Hebrew Bible somewhere. Um that's written in Hebrew. But I'm gonna have to look at Genesis thirteen thirteen and I'm I would guess that probably there's not actual 13 Hebrew oh, words. I can I can tell you there's not. Okay, so Travis knows. No, there's... I don't speak. I, I I suck at Hebrew actually. So yeah, like I, that was that was, that was my worst. That was my worst class. I was awful at it. Um, but just knowing, just knowing the basics of Hebrew, right? Like like recalling at least the basic stuff. You know that there is going to be a character or a word that stands for several of them in our language because English puts in so many filler words. Yeah, like the word of. When he was of, saying like the, the people and, of like all these Sodom, kind of things. Those are more understood. Yes. And they would be represented maybe by a letter or a uh, like a yod or a dot or, or something. Exactly. And, even, even the, and here's another thing. The chapters and verses were not put in until long after Jesus. It right, was a few hundred years after Jesus, right. that the Someone's scribes like, came in and started putting. It's a little easier to read this if we if yes. we line this up. And even in the original Hebrew, there weren't vowels either. That's also right. 
And those weren't added till after Jesus too. When That's you right. see, if you look at if you look yeah, at Hebrew, like a lot of the original, a lot of the the older manuscripts, it's almost like a Hebrew shorthand. Yes, because a lot of that stuff is just, because they understood it. They were oral yep. people, and they understood yep. that the where the and space where the was coming at a premium. Went. Yes, you know, and time is at a premium. You know, so it's easier to copy. So and they were written on scrolls, so it's not like you're just going to be going on and on and on. The other thing that I find in this kind of uh, you know kind of moment when you run into someone who who wants to kind of take this. We're going to disregard anything that comes from before the King James, for let's say, for example. We're yeah. going to disregard anything. We're going to disregard anything we can't fact. read. Right? <laughs> disregard historical I just, fact. I just, so I just preached this last Sunday. And I was preaching on um, in Acts 16. Paul and Silas go to Philippi and they encounter a slave girl. Okay, yep. Right? Yep. And she's... Uh, she's pestering them. She pesters them by running around, you know, prophesying, basically. Yep. And, you know, if you read it just in English, if you read it in the, I believe in the KJV, I know for sure in the NIV and the NLT, it just simply says that uh, that she has a spirit. Yes. Yep. You know, uh, or that she, sometimes it might say like she's filled with a spirit. Yep. Right. You actually have to go to the Greek to realize what that actually means. So like in the Greek, Luke, who's the author of Acts, you know, who's writing to a primarily Gentile audience. Because he was a Gentile himself. Correct. Um, actually writes... That she's filled with the spirit of Python. Okay. And the spirit of Python is actually incredibly, incredibly meaningful because you have to then go and realize, like, oh, one of the biggest oracles of the day was in Delphi, mm-hmm. where there was an oracle to the god Apollo, yep. who in Greek mythology had slayed this massive snake, Python. Uh, and so they built this, yeah. they built this temple to Apollo. And it was considered that the virgin priestesses, that one of them would be identified as Pythia. Uh, and that she would gotcha. embody the spirit of Apollo and be able to share in his gift, which was to foretell the future. And it wasn't to predict things as in like, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. It was more that people would come to her for discernment of, should I choose this or should I choose that? So it was very much a more of a deciding kind of prophecy rather than like, you know, an event driven prophecy. Right, and so the idea was that it was about discerning what was correct versus what was incorrect, and so if you have in Philippi a slave girl who's filled with the spirit of Python, this isn't just simply random slave girl who's really good at guessing numbers or really good at you know figuring something out. You're you're literally connecting her to this oracle. She's sharing in this gift that was actually considered divine. Hmm. Right, yeah. so. So it's one of those kind of really things where it's like, but if you would not get that, if yeah. you didn't go to the yeah. actual Greek text and go, oh, wh-, and of course, why don't we tra- why don't we translate in English that she was filled with the spirit of Python? Because because we no get one it. has a clue what that means, we and we'd it. be like, so she's a snake woman. Like it, it wouldn't make sense. So it's one of those kind of like subtle. It's one of those more subtle things that you have to go, oh, if you read in the Greek and you realize that the Greek says spirit of Python is what's actually you know, inhabiting her, that she's that she's somehow connected to it. And then you know from that particular cultural exegesis that this actually has deep significance. Now you know, like, these guys aren't just hacked off because, you know, her little palm reading that gives, you know, brings yeah. in a couple shillings or whatever, you know, has, like, she would be considered, like, if you couldn't make it to Delphi, you could go here. Hmm. Right? If the trip yeah. to Delphi is too long and you couldn't afford it or you needed, you needed an answer now... Then, then look, we have a local oracle. Yeah, she has the same spirit. That was their money making business. I mean, it would have been 
huge. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, you start, and, and then that's why the reasons why the crowd responds. Because if you, if you follow that passage, right, not only do the moneylenders grab Paul and Silas and yank them to the magistrates, but the entire crowd jumps them, yeah. strips them down, beats them and flogs them, right? And you realize, why? Why? Because part of you could say, well, you know, why should the crowd get it on this? Their, their main local tool of discerning their next move, business move, their it's next gone. family move, their financial move has just been taken. Paul has literally killed it. And then you also build on the fact that it's a Roman colony, uh, but it's also influenced by Roman mythology and Greek mythology. And now Paul, this guy Paul out of nowhere, has defeated something that should be connected to one of their great gods. Yeah, he's he's committed blasphemy in their eyes. Like he's a... What kind of power is in him? You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, there's all this huge context that suddenly makes you realize why the crowd responds so violently, why they are so aggressive and intense, and why, frankly, you know, because, like, if you look at that ta- passage, you know, when, they, when the slave owners bring Paul and Silas to the magistrates there, they basically accuse them of three things. They accuse them of there's, there's a racist element. These Jews have come in. Yep. There's a nationalist element. They are doing un-Roman-like things, and then there's just simply the the base greed element. They have cost us money. Yeah, but you don't get that if you just simply read. Oh, she's filled with the spirit because yeah. it just makes it makes in our Western culture, especially. I think when we think, you know, you you think of someone who's like, you know, just simply setting up a little, you know, yeah. palm reading shop, and you're like five dollars to read your palm, and you're like. How much money is that really? Heck, there's one here in Littleton. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gone down to Littleton, like towards the point, right? Like if okay. you go down here, folks, there's one town over. If you drive down, you know, we are a pretty educated area. Yeah. Right? Like we probably yeah. pride ourselves on our education and academic. We have Harvard. Stuff. Yes, that's we have right. Harvard. And and Starbucks, home of the fish goddess. Um, <laughs> we have we have the, the refined we have the refined things in life. But if you drive just up the road about about less than ten minutes. In this one little like office building, there is a palmist. Yeah. You can go have tarot cards and your palm read. Sure. I have no idea. I've never seen anybody I've never seen anything go there, but it exists, right? So maybe it's just someone, you know, having it for, for kicks and giggles. Maybe she makes great money. Cause I, it all, that's all I know is that it's a lady who runs it, right? But I've never seen anybody there. I've never seen her there. So I don't know. Anyway, it's it's if we don't have that context, we could just easily read this as oh, this is a slave girl who kind of you know reads palms on a con artist level, you know, and and is just kind of harassing Paul. But that Paul's. wouldn't incite a crowd. That would not incite a crowd. They viewed her as legitimately connected to this just... oracle who was filled with a god. Yeah, and in comes Paul and throws their god down. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. So and that. That kind of leads into my other issue with this with this clip Some we just played for you folks today. Is um, you at the end of that clip? If you heard it, he said, "That's why the the original <laughs> English is superior oh. to the original Hebrew." Dear goodness me! And that is such an asinine <laughs> Western American cultural comment can to you make. get whiter than that it is so white it's like the, <laughs> the great white hope like like it's not even like, like you just have to sit there and be like you know how many languages have existed longer than ours right and english you know a lot of time when you look and travis is getting a good example when you translate from like hebrew or greek or even latin or something like that to english you lose some of that meaning yeah not intentionally it's just that's the way it is when you translate to another language yep because in Hebrew, and, and we're not advocating that, you know, 
an everyday Christian person needs to go out and study Hebrew. You don't. But what we're advocating for is do some due diligence. If you're if you're reading a passage and you want to know more about it, don't just assume that what's there on the page in English is the entire meaning of that passage. You need to go and say, all right, let me go read a commentary. Let me go read some books on this. Let me go. You don't even have to read the whole commentary. You can just read about that passage and there's some good commentaries out there that give you some kind of historical context. I actually just picked up uh, N.T. Wright's like huge volume about the the New Testament and its culture on times and things nice. like that because I want to know more yeah. about what what are some of the things that Jesus said that we don't quite understand yeah. because it made sense for that time period, but we're two thousand years removed, so it's we're going to lose something. And so guys like this, this clip we just played to say something like that. <laughs> is just idiotic because well, it doesn't do you're not doing due diligence no not even remotely and you're not you're not advocating for people listening to you to do due diligence i think the other problem that you run into is is when you read and you study and and this is the the, the thing i think that you find with a lot of these kind of preachers right is they tend to they tend to read and study only the things that fit and agree with their already established scriptural and worldview and we've talked about that before it's eisegesis that's, that's right what it's called reading into scripture right. what you want it to say so you know one of the things that you'll find is like if you're going to be a well-balanced student of the scriptures if you're going to and again not that you have to go you know enroll in local seminary or, or no. get a theology degree because I, I i am actually probably an advocate for people not doing that i think yeah. that there's there's you know a lot that uh there's a lot of stuff that seminaries can actually give you baggage of Sure. Uh, and, and they can filter they can filter your view just as much as if you didn't go to the seminary. But one of the greatest one of the greatest options and one of the greatest tools that you can have is to actually read a highly diverse view mm-hmm. of a certain you know a certain topic. And I think that's the other thing is to sit down and go, okay, I want to study this particular thing. I want to understand more. Well, then go read it through the lens of this culture. Go read it through the lens of this denomination. Go read it th- read it through the lens of of this particular you know theology or doctrinal viewpoint. I don't always agree, uh, let's say, with, with a lot of Reformed theology. Mm-hmm. But I read a lot of Calvin. And I, I read Calvin, a lot of... I have Calvin's commentaries in my office. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you know... And frankly, I, I'll read a lot of John Piper. I sure. don't I've agree with John a lot Pepper. of John Piper no, I don't you know, on, on, on some basic stuff, right? Like, there's some key things where I'm like, oh, him and I would disagree on as to what this means or how this is interpreted. But that doesn't mean that everything John Piper writes is bad or awful. No. Um, you know, I read right now, I'm, I'm reading some stuff that uh, it's based out of liberation theology, which okay. kind of comes out of the 60s, yep. right? And, you know, it's it's very prominent in African, you know, African-American churches and, and, you know, kind of in black spirituality as far as, you know, black churches and, and you know, com- coming from... Because they came from a context of slavery. Yes, right? Their, so it's, Their theology it's so, is shaped it, by that. So it's an interesting heavily. thing, right? Like, it's fascinating. If you read, if you study liberation theology... You know, their view and the way that liberation theology views, let's say, the book of Exodus, very different from probably your normal Western white cultural viewpoint, right? Like we look at it and go, oh, you know, what a nice thing Moses is doing for our, for God's children. Yeah, They view it as, you know, this is the struggle. This is the journey. This is the the moment of you know, chains being thrown off. Like, they identify so... We identify, I think, more with Moses. Let's just try to call it what it is. We probably would identify more with Moses and be like, yes, we are supposed to, you know, have these moments where God has called us and we go out and do things. Liberation, I thought, the- theology identifies way with, more with, with the God's people. people. 
yeah. with the people who are in slavery, who are the people who are in bondage. And they look at all of that journey as a continuing of their own personal journey. It's fascinating. It's beautiful. Yeah. Actually, there are some moments where you can sit there and be like, oh, I'm not sure I can go that far. Or maybe that takes it to a different sure. level. But it's like overall, like it will open your eyes to, and you'll never read Exodus the same way again, frankly. Yeah, I think I've taught, I, I think I probably lean towards liberation theology for the Exodus without even realizing it. Because mm-hmm. the way I've taught it for a while now is here's God's people enslaved and we are those people because we're enslaved to sin mm-hmm. and God set us free by sending a savior who is Moses in the Exodus, but Jesus in the new Testament and the whole journey in the wilderness is what we're living now. It's this constant battles, the constant struggle. It's, it's right. We're not to the promised land yet. The promised land is when we get to the end where we can rest yeah where jesus says well done good and faithful servant now enter your rest well and interesting work. like in liberation theology especially if you read it in light of exodus part of that part of that understanding like to embrace it would be that you can't celebrate your freedom while other people are still in oppression mm. yeah right which is definitely a challenge to western more individualistic yeah. doctrine right where it's about hey as long as you have been set free you're free indeed right if the son of god comes and you know it sets yeah. you free you have been made free and so you know we kind of you know, again, for better or for worse, tongue-in-cheek, Joel Osteen a little bit. It's about you living your best life now. Yeah. It's about you experiencing God's favor and God's goodness and the best of what God has to offer. And liberation with theology would say, you can't do that while God's people are still in slavery and oppressed somewhere. Yeah. That it's actually wrong. Or in some cases, again, if depending on who you read from, it might not even be possible yeah. to experience freedom as long as there are still people in oppression around you. So it's a, it challenges you, it shapes you, it forms you, and it makes you sit back and realize like there's a lot of different ways to understand and read the scriptures, both from the original text and the way that they're translated modern day. And, um, yeah, and I think the one of the main problems I have with these guys on this Twitter feed is is they they set themselves up on this pedestal. This, he literally sets himself he, up on a pedestal. He like it's, does. It, you should go see the clip. He's quite high in the yeah, room. He is. Quite it's high. literally a quite quite a high, yeah, it is. A quite high like pedestal. His head like the pulpit is massive. It is it, huge. <laughs> I don't even know how you move well, that thing. Again, this will be one of the churches we visit on a road tour. Yes, it is. We're, we're planning our road tour. It's yes. going to happen at some point. We're going to go visit some of these people. And we'll have to live live stream from live the road. Stream, <laughs> live tweet from the road. But. Um, one of the issues I have is they put themselves up on this pedestal. We'll go dressed as cats. Oh, that'd be a good idea. And they're almost like untouchable, and you can't question them, and and this and that. And I, I don't think they, you know, they they every website that they have is like, you know, that that. And then be careful because that's a dark hole you can go down. I've done it. Um, they have the like soul winning times and all this kind of stuff, and they they appear to be for people and God's love and this and that. But when they talk. They are not for... There's some baggage on that stuff. They are not for God's... I mean, they're not for people. They don't get their hands dirty. You know, it's... it's You're going to listen to me because I'm the preacher. There's one guy. His name's Bill Reeves, and he is... <laughs> and I don't care if... Maybe he'll listen. But he is just a bully from that pulpit. Yeah. He will just point people out who call people out. I saw one clip one time. It wasn't him, but it was another guy. He went up... This, this other preacher comes out of the pulpit, walks down, and starts talking about how... You know, he's got some terrible people in his congregation. He wants to, goes to this one guy and he says, calls him by name, goes right up to him and says, you're the worst member I have. I remember that one. I've seen that one. I'm like, what? I'm like, how do you not get punched for doing that? 
but I think that's the kind of sometimes the Western mindset where we say we are saved, we are set free, therefore we can enjoy our best life now when there are still people hurting and yeah. struggling and, and being oppressed. And, you know, one of the verses I always like to think about is is to seek justice, love mercy, and sure. walk humbly with your God. And that's why, you know, I volunteer with International Justice Mission because, yep. you know, there's 42 plus million <clears throat> slaves in the world today. Yeah. That's more than any time in in history, you know, at least in our country's history. I think in the world, in the history of the world, too. But, I mean, there are still people who are following Christ, but they're being oppressed. They're struggling. They're wrestling. They're, you know, going through the wilderness. And we have to realize we're going through the wilderness, too, and we need to help them along the way. Because Moses leading these people through the wilderness, well, he had to help them along the way. He got frustrated with them, but he had to help them along the way and so if we don't do our due diligence when it comes to scripture and and understanding and and almost like taking a step back from our western mindset and our western eyes and saying okay what does this mean in a you know uh, a middle eastern context Correct, yeah. a greater narrative the a beyond. greater narrative yeah. what does this mean in this context what did this you know what is jesus saying here to these jews and what did it mean for the first century jews Okay, and yeah, what does it mean for, like I was reading an N.T. Wright's book, and you know, it's like a 700-plus page book, but I was reading through it, and, <laughs> and uh, there was one, he got a, he shared this email that that uh, this professor got, and uh, this professor asked a question about a Mark passage, and it was one where um, they tried to trap Jesus, Okay, and they said, you know, should we pay taxes? Right, right. And it says, bears the image of Caesar, should we pay the, you know, taxes? And... Uh, and so they, the assignment was read this and explain how historical context plays a huge role in interpreting this passage. Yep. And so the response was, well, I don't get what historical background means. It's just, you know, you're supposed to pay taxes. You know, that was their, that's the Western mindset. <laughs> and then they, the response by the professor was, well, first you have to understand that that coin bore the image of Caesar. And if Jesus said, yes, you should pay taxes, then he's advocating to support another divinity because Caesar was divine to the Romans. And if he says, no, you're not supposed to pay taxes to Caesar, then you're a rebellion against, you're a rebel against the Roman empire. So that's how they're trying to trap him. And that's why he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God's what is God's because we bear God's image. That's the thing is I like, I like the people who just skip the, we bear God's image part and they then turn it into a weird tithing Mm-hmm. A tithing message. It has nothing like, to do with tithing. Like, like, like somehow, like you're supposed to give. Well, you know, you pay your taxes to the government, but you need to also then pay your your tithe to the church. And they like just jump in on it, and it's like it has nothing to do with. It's like that's not at all what Jesus is He's talking saying, about here. Jesus is saying you are the Imago Dei. You have the image of God because God breathed life into you. You give yourself. You give to your God. whole self to God, and people are like, in the old English, that means tithe. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, if we do our due diligence like that and understand like a historic, some historical context, it actually brings more beauty to the scriptures and more beauty to these passages and more depth to them. And and you're like, you get this greater understanding of like, wow, because when I learned that about that, that passage in Mark, where he's saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God's what is God's, I was like, that makes so much more sense now. Mm -hmm. And that's so much more powerful message that Jesus is giving because he's like, yeah, just give the coin back to Caesar because it bears his image. Who cares? But you give you to God, like yourself. That's what matters. Not this coin. Not the coin. You do. You you give what matters. Can't make you wonder like what the coin that uh, Peter gets out of the fish. Huh. I wonder what it was. I wonder what it was. Hmm. 
There you go. Throw throw your comments. Let us know what you think the uh, yeah. what was what was the what coin, was the coin the that fish? Peter pulled out of the fish? Because uh, just like hey, go go grab that fish. Yeah, pull it out. It's like it's like one of those Jack or Jack in the Box cracker things. You know, like oh, shake it around, oh, the thing pops out. I miss those. I miss those <laughs> decoder rings and everything. So I think yeah. So do your due diligence. Don't 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 get uh, don't be fascinated by the old English. No. And Let the old English go. Try not to, and this is going to be hard. You're going to read scriptures through Western eyes if you live in if you're in, live in a Western culture. You are, mm-hmm. but try to challenge yourself to read it with other eyes. Yep, with other cultural eyes and cultural mindsets. Maybe we should do context. a book list. We should. We should throw we out should. a book list and be like, "Hey, here's some great books to to read." We should. Maybe because that'll, that'll that'll be upcoming. Stay yes. tuned. Book Stay list. Stay tuned. On, just book list on the way. So, so let us know. Let us know in this in, in the comments and and uh, make sure you give us you know re- reviews and ratings wherever you listen to podcasts. But let us know uh, comments. You know what are some ridiculous things you've heard in church, like biblical numerology and that the old English, the original English is superior to the original Hebrew. Thirteen words. Bam, bam. It's been good and fun. We'll see you guys soon. See ya.